0: Astrid and Jamila would like to acknowledge that this podcast was made on the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and we note that this sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Anonymous Was a Woman. Season 3, Astrid! Season three we are here. We are. My name is Jamila Risby and I am joined by my co-host Astrid Edwards. Anonymous Was a Woman is a podcast by Future Women and this season we are sponsored by Hachette Publishing Australia. We're very big fans of Hachette aren't we Astrid? They've got some incredible authors. If you take
1: a quick look at your own bookshelf at home or if you were to wander through a bookstore. So many great titles are by Hachette.
0: That's right. Internationally, we're talking Norena Hertz, Ronan Farrow, Florence Given, and then the lineup of local authors too, including friend of the podcast, Maxine Beniba Clark, Louise Milligan, Nikki Gemmel, and Natasha Stott Despoyer.
1: And don't forget my favorites, Claire G Coleman and Jessica Townsend.
0: Astrid, I have missed you. It's been a long hot summer. What have you been reading?
1: Jam, I have missed you as well, particularly because I went through lockdown in Victoria only to get stuck in New South Wales. So I have been over the border reading out my little heart because there's very little that I can do. I picked up Barack Obama's epic autobiography. It's part one of A Planned Two. There are 700 pages and I have to say, Jam, you political animal, I think you're going to love it.
0: I haven't got that far. At the moment, it's being used to prop up my laptop because it is just that big and very helpful. I've been going a little bit lighter. I've been reading When the Apricots Bloom by Gina Wilkinson, which we are going to be doing for Future Women Book Club later in the year. So on the count of one, I am ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way in which I'm ahead in 2021. Astrid, our theme today is belonging. Books have made me feel like I belong in a lot of my life. It has been characters or places or families like mine on the page that have made me feel more normal and made me feel seen through my life. And I think we can't underestimate the power of belonging. And we've just seen the inauguration of a new American president, Joe Biden. And that ceremony was all about belonging. That is true,
1: Jan, but you know, who cares about the ceremony? Let's talk about Amanda Gorman.
0: Oh, the poet.
1: Amanda Gorman, the youngest ever poet for an inauguration. Simply stunning, not just her words, but her delivery, her performance, her message to America and the world. And not only was it just stunning, she only finished writing it a few weeks ago. This is a new poem written in the heat of the moment after the Capitol riots- on the 6th of January this year.
0: It absolutely showed, I think, the power of words, not just on the page, but the power of words performed. And so many kids will say that they don't like poetry. And for a lot of us, that goes with us, right? That, oh, I grew up at school not liking poetry. And that sticks with us going through into adulthood. When I think sometimes, or at least in my day, when they taught poetry at school, they taught poetry on the page, we didn't stand up and read and we certainly didn't have anyone standing up to read who sounded like Amanda Gorman when they were reading poetry. I certainly did
1: not. I had a lot of Shakespeare sonnets and to be honest, I could have done with uh, fewer Shakespeare sonnets and more contemporary poetry. Watching Amanda Gorman, I thought of two things at the same time. Firstly, Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou was the poet at Bill Clinton's inauguration many years ago and I've actually spent the last couple of months, going through her seven autobiographies. I've just finished five out of the seven. I will complete them very soon, Jam, when I have time. But writers can speak to an age. Poets can speak to the people. And I'm sure a lot of people just think, oh, we have to have a poet. They're going to say a poem, whatever. This is part of an inauguration. But the ability to capture the imagination of a billion people who watch that inauguration or whatever the numbers will end up being, that is so deeply profound. God, it was moving. And the other thing I thought of, Jam, was favourite of the podcast, Maxine Boniba-Clark. Maxine started as a slam poet and a spoken word poet. And I think that her children's books and her works for adults are so perfectly powerful because Maxine is a performer. She can grab your attention and make you listen to her.
0: I think that's very true. And I, don't often do this but I feel like we should read a couple of Amanda Gorman's beautiful words in her poem she says of I think and to this theme of belonging she clearly knew what we were chatting about this week she said we are striving to forge our union with purpose to compose a country committed to all cultures colors characters and conditions of man and so we lift our gazes not to what stands between us but what stands before us We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. I mean, I'm no poetry reader, but that gets me goosebumpy now. Folks, if you haven't seen the I want to say performance because it was a performance of Youth Poet Laureate Amanda Gorman reading The Hill We Climb at the Biden inauguration. Please do so. A quick Google will get you there very fast. Astrid, we're going to crack on with this topic of belonging and if it's okay with you, I'm going to introduce you our first book. The author of our first Hachette book of the season, Astrid, is going to be no stranger to the audience because she is a television and movie star as well as author and that is Miranda Tapsell. I'm guessing you know her.
1: I don't know her but of course
0: I know her works. So, Miranda Tapsell has a new biography out. It is called Top End Girl, which is, of course, a descriptor of herself, but also reference to her blockbuster film, Top End Wedding. I interviewed Miranda as part of the Melbourne Writers Festival online last year, and she is wicked smart and absolutely delightful, funny and quick. And as I said, very, very clever. And this book is the same. It is a really lovely, easy, relaxing read. And you get transported very quickly off into Miranda's world. It begins, of course, with her childhood. And Miranda describes herself, well, she describes herself as not belonging because she describes herself as an outsider. She's a Larrakia Tiwi girl and growing up she was obsessed with being on stage. She wanted to be seen but when she turned on the TV and when she went to the theatre or she saw a film there weren't people who looked like her on the screen.
1: There weren't and you know I think we are about the same age give or take as Miranda Jam and we both know that the books we read and the TV shows and movies that are made in Australia that we watch have changed over time, but there's still a way to go.
0: Yes. And one of the things that so impresses me about Miranda's writing talent, as well as her acting talent is that where in the world she has not seen the roles that she wanted, she has gone out and helped make them come about. So a lot of people will remember her acting from the Sapphires and then Love Child, which was just devastatingly gorgeous but for me it was all about Top End Wedding which drew so much inspiration from Miranda's life and that she was one of the co-writers of. So I will say that I do think if you enjoyed the film you will enjoy this book. They both have that lovely lightness and humour and an exploration of issues of belonging that departs from the darkness that I think has come to personify so many works in that genre of late. And I do not say that as a criticism. I have loved and benefited from so many of those works, but it is really nice to see culture and diversity and these themes of belonging explored in a way where you leave grinning rather than leave gritting your teeth in sadness.
1: Absolutely. This is not a heavy autobiography. This is light and fun and humorous and I suspect has a lot of Miranda's personality coming through, which is, you know, the point of a, of an autobiography. I really found it interesting, you know, as we talk about representation in Australian TV and movies, you know, Miranda directly addresses this. She says that when she was just starting out and, you know, wanting to become an actor and before she'd had any opportunity or any training, She looked to people like Deborah Mailman and Leah Purcell who had broken a few barriers before Miranda herself and like Miranda has gone on to do, you know, Leah Purcell has never had a leading role that she didn't write for herself. It is ridiculous that some of our most talented writers and performers are left out of Australian culture until... They create the roles themselves.
0: I think this is also a great book for the, uh, for want of a more technical term, the arty farty teenager in your life. I was an arty farty teenager. And, um, I also had a sister who was one. And when you're the weird kid who loves drama and dancing and music at school, you are rarely cool, Astrid. You are rarely cool. You are often on the outside. You uh, tend not to belong. And I think the dreams, the big dreams that Miranda writes about in Top End Girl, those big dreams that everyone kind of quietly is saying to her, yeah, good for you. And thinking, oh, it's not actually going to happen because no one actually gets to be a movie star. That's not a real job. You know, I think this is, the kind of book you want to hand that teenager, that hungry teenager who is obsessed with their craft and reading and watching and singing and writing things and doesn't want to be told that they need to get a more sensible job and be a lawyer or a banker. This is the book for them because the big dreams are realised and along with the artistic dreams that are realised, so are dreams of love. And I think my favourite chapter was Miranda's chapter about James her partner proposing to her which includes sort of side notes from James who who is sort of co-commentating the chapter
1: okay so this is our difference I you are such a romantic at heart jam I struggled with that chapter it was just (laughs) too romantic for me I didn't get into it
0: of course you did but that's just me I think most people will adore that chapter you will welcome back to anonymous was a woman everybody where Astrid and I agree on barely anything let's get to our second read Okay, Jam, for
1: my first recommendation of 2021, I'm going with fiction, the debut work, The Loudness of Unsaid Things by Hilda Hinton. Have you read it?
0: I have. When my big pile arrived from Hachette just before Christmas, this went straight to the top of it, mostly because someone who's reading recommendations I admire told me that if you liked Eleanor Oliphant, is completely fine, that this would be a winner and they were too right.
1: That is an excellent comparison. It didn't occur to me, but I did like Eleanor Oliphant. It's completely fine. What struck me about this story is its lightness. It's, it's a tender read, a gentle read. Just You could read it on a beach. You could read it. It's just a great read wherever you are. The story is the story of Susie and Miss Kay. It's told in the first person, so we get a really intimate experience of Susie and Miss Kay, both of whom are mentioned on the blurb, and I'm not revealing anything about the story by telling you those two characters' names. For want of a better description, Susie is, you know, a troubled teenager. Her mum died by suicide. Her previously quite good relationship with her father fell apart as she went through the teenage years. She ended up living with friends' parents. She ended up becoming self-sufficient at a very young age. And eventually, as so many young people do, she ran straight into a terrible situation. On the other hand, we have Miss Kay. She's an older woman who actually works with troubled young people, troubled young women who have found themselves in a bit of strife although that might sound like a bit of a negative description jam it truly is a light and uplifting read did you find that
0: yes I did and I think you have hit the nail on the head with that idea of context versus tone and I think Hilda Hinton manages that space incredibly well in quite a sophisticated way for a debut novelist because I don't want to say similar to Rosie Waterland's first work because that was a work of non-fiction and it was a work of comedy, but in Rosie Waterland's first work, which is called The Anti-Cool Girl, she speaks about incredibly dark, honest, true subjects, things that happened to her, including attempted suicide by a parent and similar, but she writes in a way that she brings a lightness to the humanity and actually a hilarity to the humanity that is almost uncomfortable and black comedy that's not what happens here but that comparison of telling a quite a brutal story of mental illness and of feeling like an outsider most of your life and having a pretty tough beginning to life does contrast as you say with the lightness of the novel itself and there's some really lovely like observations that I just thought were really good pieces of common sense advice. Like I noted down at one point that Hinton says, admitting defeat is like being able to laugh at yourself, a must. And I was just like, well, what a great line. Like, you know, that's the kind of thing you could have tattooed.
1: It is. And not only is that a great line, what a great title, the loudness of unsaid things. We've all been there. We've all had those thoughts that we don't say to the person that's in the room with us and yet might be influencing our actions or our decision making, sometimes we don't say things to our loved ones. And this book basically is, you know, 300 pages of exploring what that is like and all of the things that we don't actually articulate, but they're the things that we feel and that make us who we are.
0: I was quite pleased when you chose to bring this book for the theme of belonging, because I think this could have fitted into quite a number of emotionally led Themes, but our protagonist Susie has this lovely ability to give to her friends to the point that I have almost a childish desire to be her friend. (laughs) She seeks out people who don't fit in, people who live at the margins, people who are misunderstood. And she finds ways to bond over difference and to take that difference and make it feel special rather than wrong. And I think for people who were teenagers in the 80s, 90s and noughties, as the kind of timeline of this book covers, there's something really captivating to Susie. And that kind of, empathy is a superpower that she possesses despite the circumstances that she's grown up in is completely lovely absolutely wins you over and I found it incredibly moving this is a book that will make you feel good to read
1: it's absolutely well it's uplifting and I didn't know this before I read the work. I got to the end and as I always do I read the acknowledgments and I didn't realize that Hilda Hinton is actually the older sister of Samuel and Connie Johnson. Did you know that before you read the work? No, I did not. So Samuel Johnson, you know, is a well-known Australian TV star and you will recognize his voice because he's a voiceover artist. He's, you know, his voice appears everywhere. But I found out at the end that their mother died by suicide when they were all quite young and Connie Hilda and Samuel's sister. She had cancer when she was a teenager and then she died of cancer a few years ago. And at the time, Hilda stayed very much out of the spotlight, but she was behind the scenes looking after Samuel and Connie. And of course, Samuel and Connie founded the Love Your Sister charity, which raised, I think, almost $2 million and supports the Garvan Institute of Medical Research. So Samuel and Connie were really quite public in her final days talking about cancer and the need for charity work and fundraising and awareness and Hilda kind of says in the acknowledgments I was there but I wasn't in public and she kind of doesn't dedicate the book to Connie but she talks to Connie in the acknowledgments and once you read the book you can this is very much a fictional work but you can't help but think that much of the novel is really informed by the personal experiences of Hilda and her family
0: and you know, to speak of unsaid things, <laughs> I think really brings that to the fore that she wasn't telling her family story, but surely to an element, this is informed by what's happening and happened to her. I wanted to play with this idea of the unsaid for a moment and whether we're talking today about belonging, but often I think things remain unsaid in some of our closest personal relationships in order to belong because belonging can't happen after painful truths are said.
1: That's true. Even with the people we know most intimately, the people we grew up with or the people who raised us or the people we choose to live with now, we don't say every single thing that we think. None of us would belong anywhere if we were that honest or at least I wouldn't.
0: Welcome everyone to recommendations time when I suggest beautiful romances that Astrid then poos all over and then Astrid tries to make me read horrible fiction that is made up from another planet that I'm never ever ever going to consider. That's a little bit unfair. I would like to recommend to you, Astrid, a book that was an Observer 2020 Best Debut. They're pretty good at The Observer. They have some good picks. And it is Rainbow Milk by Paul Mendez, which actually was reviewed quite widely and positively. And I got drawn to because Bernadine Evaristo is on the cover endorsing it and calling it accomplished and daring. And I thought if it's good enough for Bernadine, it's good enough for me. I think it's a coming-of-age Story more than anything. It's about a teenager called Jesse McCarthy. And Jesse is trying to figure out who the hell he is, like most of us are, at 18, 19. And for him, it's made somewhat more complex because he is dealing with questions of race and also questions of sexual identity. And the book explores characters who were brought up as Jehovah's Witnesses, as well as looking at class and freedom and religion in amongst all of this. So I think when you consider the young teenager that you know who is trying to find their place in the world and find out who they are and how to express themselves, young Jesse has it harder than most. He is dealing with a level of complexity that is hard to describe.
1: I haven't read this work, Jem, but you have just sold it to me. I am not great with romance but I do adore Bernadine Everisto and I will read anything that she tells me to read so I also love your recommendations too by the way Jam.
0: <laughs> We're trying to get back on the same page all right I'm going to try and bring this lightness and this positivity to your next recommendation.
1: Fortunately for you Jam, today I don't have a recommendation that involves science fiction fantasy or a different planet however you should know that they will be coming Claire G Coleman has a new workout this year and uh, I will make you read it. But until then, my pick for today is actually Growing Up Disabled in Australia. This is an anthology edited by Carly Finlay, and it is part of the Growing Up series. So we've previously had Growing Up Aboriginal, edited by Anita Heist, Growing Up Queer, edited by Benjamin Law, Growing Up African, edited by our favourite Maxine Beniba-Clark, and soon we will have Growing Up in Country Australia, edited by Rick Morton.
0: Astrid, I... I'm delighted you've brought this recommendation because I cannot wait to read it. Two reasons. One, it's edited by Carly Finlay and is part of a series that I have really enjoyed so far and I've managed to get my hands on a copy of each of the books in this series and they just keep getting better. And second, it involves a chapter from a debut author who I'm very keen to read. That's you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was about to say, Jam. there are many debut authors in this anthology, but you are correct. I have an essay in here, and I think I might have been a little bit mad when I wrote this, Jam. It's called Who Counts as Disabled Anyway? And I talk about the fact that I have multiple sclerosis and I was diagnosed in my 30s, and it was really quite difficult, to say the least. But that's not why I'm recommending it. I am a fan of this series. I think that a series that takes the stories of... Australians, whether they be famous or not, whether they be debut authors or established writers, takes their stories and puts them in an anthology series that continues to have money behind it is just beautiful. I highly recommend the entire series to everybody. And of course, in February, we have Growing Up Disabled in Australia, but all of them, they are absolutely perfect presents and they are perfect reads.
0: Yeah, I think what's great about this series is they're a read that makes individuals in our society feel seen despite potential discrimination and barriers they faced while they were growing up. There's something about seeing and reading someone's true story written on the page and having those moments where you go, yeah, I felt that happened to me. I felt like that there's something so special about that so I think it's a, it's an incredible gift and then at the same time I think it's just as important that people who aren't disabled read a book like this that people who don't live in regional or country Australia read the one that's forthcoming later in the year it's all also about empathy and understanding experiences that aren't your own which is what belonging is all about. that's all we've got time for today on Anonymous Was A Woman. Please make sure that you subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, because if you don't, you may miss Next Thursday's episode. And friends, it's a good one. Oh, is it a good one? I almost don't want to give it away. I almost want to make you wait. Oh no, I don't. It's with Brit Bennett. We are interviewing Brit Bennett, author of The Vanishing Half, previously the author of The Mothers as well. She is as glorious in person as you had hoped her to be you do not want to miss it subscribe while you're there rate and review us it will help other people find anonymous was a woman astrid and i are really grateful to future women and hachette publishing for making this podcast possible thanks to bad producer productions for making us sound better than we do live (laughs) and we will talk to you in another few days with brit bennett